Okay, so what's the need to use Copado? Copado, uh, so initially uh, for deployments, uh, we were using Ant and uh, the deployment, uh, so the de- uh, developers had uh, another uh, uh, challenge for to merge all the stories and then do the deployment. So it was a big task. Uh, so to reduce the effort, uh, we, so there was quite a few errors happening because there were multiple developers working on similar codes and conflict resolution and uh, so the git repository was not set up properly so that was the challenges that we had so we tried using uh, sfdx uh, deployment pattern for a while and mm-hmm. it was working, working good uh, but yeah, i think uh, the deployment team uh, had few uh, problems with that as well so then we decided on getting this tool uh, Copado, wherein everything is streamlined and uh, we have the user stories maintained within the uh, within the production org itself and uh, we can easily collaborate because earlier there were two different systems uh, we were using um, um, Jira for our mm-hmm. stories uh, so yeah I think uh, this is much better and uh, we have we can define uh, release uh, pipeline for all these okay. stories for a particular release and uh, the sandboxes can be defined. So once the story gets completed, we can automatically select the metadata for the story. We don't need to create chain sets or make a package and uh, do the deployment stuff. So the system automatically picks it up and uh, deploys it to the, uh, uh, the next level of sandbox. And then, uh, yeah, there are quite a few uh, automation that can be done. So once it is deployed, we can uh, add a chatter node to the testing team and the product owners so that they'll be aware of uh, the story has been progressed ahead. So it's a seamless experience uh, for the, the uh, All right. development. Yeah. Okay. So that's good. So what do you understand by the batch promotion in Copado? Batch promotion? Back promotion. Back promotion. Okay. So if... Uh, so once a story gets deployed to a production org, so it needs to be back promoted to the sandboxes, which it was not in the path. For example, we have a hotfix sandbox and there are different sandboxes for every releases. So for example, one release got uh, deployed uh, maybe last week and there's another release that is uh, being worked upon and uh, that sandbox is uh, behind all the updates that was done or uh, that was deployed to the production. So in order to uh, keep it, uh, keep all the orgs in sync, uh, we usually, initially we used to refresh the sandboxes, right? So to avoid uh, frequent refreshes and do reconfiguration, uh, setting up the sandboxes again from scratch, uh, what we do is we can also back promote, uh, uh, back promote the storage into these lower sandboxes wherein we can have all those uh, stories available. Okay, and what do we do if I have to like promote the stories from lower environment to the higher environment? Uh, lower environment to higher environment. So it's a normal commit process. Uh, you have to commit the stories and then it gets promoted. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay, so as you have said that you use SFDX also. So can you please let me know what the, what's the exit code that you get when you get the success? deployment exit code yep uh, 
I I'm not sure about that. So what are the different types of events do we have in Lightning? Um, component events and uh, application events. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so basically, uh, so component events uh, we want to interact with the uh, parent component. Uh, we can use that event to uh, interact with them. Uh, and the application events is more of a, a broadcast. Of, for example, if a component is uh, um, like they have a notification or something uh, added on the component, so they can be notified that this uh, particular change has been done, and uh, they'll update, or a particular event gets fired, all the fields gets updated in the backend. So that happens in the both event like component and application, right? All right. So suppose you have one VF page and you want to use their Visual Force page in your Lightning community. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what will you do to show your page in Lightning community? Mm. So Visual Force page, we have an option of a Lightning out. I think uh, that's the parameter. Uh, but can... uh, in, in the community, uh, like your page is, is not visible. Yep. So maybe we can create a uh, component and then uh, uh, use the uh, uh, visual post page there and then uh, drag this component into the uh, lighting page. That's the workaround that we can do. That's another thing. But if I want to use the VF page only in my community so what feature should i enable that it should reflect in my community maybe there's a checkbox and we can make it visible for communities uh, i'm not sure because i've not used it okay so if you want to use as you can as you are saying that you can use the psp in a component so uh, we in what in what tag you will use your VFH? Mm. In your component. Uh, page block uh, tag maybe. Uh, like you are in the component, you are using a Lightning component, and you want to include the VF page there. So how you can refer your VF in the Lightning component? Mm, I think I'll have to check that. Uh, I'm not 100% sure of that. Uh, so, but I know that we could do it. Uh, yeah, but I, I'll have to research a few more uh, on that point. Okay. Do you uh, have you heard about the uh, iframe? Sorry? Uh, iframe. Iframe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, why do we use iframe? Uh, iframe, I, I, I've heard of that, uh, but yeah, I think it's, it's uh, I think that can be used for uh, importing uh, Visual Force pages. 
yeah you can use your vf page in the iframe like uh, i was asking you can include your vf in the lightning component so you can have iframe in the component okay yeah yeah i'll have to explore that point yeah, yeah. It's like i am integrating with some third party application mm-hmm. or i want to use the security token so like when whenever we change the password you you get an email of security token right yes but i have my password but i don't want to change my password i want to reset the security token how can i do so, yeah so not everyone like wants to change the password and uh, they want to just change from the salesforce itself to reset the security token so do you have idea like from where we can reset it Mm, no, I think uh, I don't have it on top of my head. Uh, probably could we uh, query it? I'm not sure. Okay, so uh, ha- have you seen an option there when you go to my settings? Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it's, it's reset. Reset. Yeah. Reset my security token. Uh, there's a. Right. So link, there you yeah. multiple option like grant login access and there you can see the security reset security token. Yes. All these. Right. Yeah. So we can do that. So okay. So let's dig more into it. Suppose I'm not able to see the res- reset the security token there also. Like I went to the my settings. and they are also i am not able to see this reset the security token and how will i reset what i will do to reflect this what feature he should enable or what thing he should do to get it reflected in the my settings normally it reflects there in the my settings like reset the security token but it's not visible there how will i show what hmm. will do and any idea the- uh on the user record there uh, there should be a checkbox uh, developer uh maybe that is required for us to have that uh, access user user record no mm, i i'm not sure about that yeah okay so what happens when you do have a profile mm mm-hmm. and if you are you have set the ip configurations there okay so it doesn't reflect in the my settings so once you remove the ip there ip restrictions then it will reflect in the my settings okay i didn't know that okay what are wrapper classes um wrapper classes uh, could be a inner class uh, within the class uh, wherein we can create few fields uh, that uh, we can use maybe creating a um, we can we can create a child uh, uh, object of the uh, parent class and then use it uh, that way maybe iterate through it and add records okay so why do we need to use the wrapper class when we are already having classes um so wrapper classes are um, mostly used when uh, we need collection of the data uh, mm-hmm. that uh, that we we need to show it on the page 
so we make use of the wrapper classes at that time. Mm, collection refers here. What? Collection by collection in Salesforce. Uh, collection as in uh, multiple records, uh, multiple number of records. Uh, we multiple store. records or object. Multiple objects actually, uh, related uh, objects as well. Uh, okay, so, what are the collections that we use in Salesforce? So, collections uh, we can use uh, map, uh, list, string. A string. Uh, Sorry, string. St uh, set. Okay. List and what set? What is string? Uh, string. Are you are you saying string? Yeah, you said a string. No, no. Uh, so collection. I think a string is also a collection of uh, multiple strings. So a string is a collection. Okay. So normally we use only list, set, and map in Salesforce. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, you have worked on VF page long back, but uh, if you remember, there is something called view state. View state, yes. Yeah. What's that? So view state is the I think uh, a restriction uh, that we have on the page. Uh, so page pages that if the pages have. Uh, uh, limitation of I think 135 KB. Uh, I think that's updated right now. Uh, so it got to in order to 175. 170. Yeah, 170. 175 maybe. I don't know. It's 170 KB. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. So yeah. So basically, uh, the the data that we show on the page, uh, so that's the restriction uh, we need to bind to. Uh, otherwise, if the if the, it is more, then uh, the page crashes and gives us an error. So it usually happened in on uh, Visual Force pages. I think uh, the Lightning pages and uh, the Lightning layouts are more uh, intuitive, and uh, it makes sure that uh, doesn't the page doesn't break. Mm-hmm. What's the entitlement and milestone? Uh, entitlements. Uh, so milestones are probably uh, escalation. There are escalation rules as well, uh, which we use it basically. Uh, entitlements uh, uh, are the SLAs uh, that we we have, uh, and milestones. Yeah, basically. Uh, the service level agreement for the uh, cases uh, response time and uh, how the agents uh, should abide through those. Like it's the actually the unit of the customer support that we use in the Salesforce. So like we do have the phone support, web support, right? Mm -hmm. so that comes under the entitlement. Okay. And milestones comes under the steps to resolve your issue like uh, your response time there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably. Okay, it's the time dependent step, like uh, you have some response time there uh -huh. to resolve yeah. your case. Okay, so and a particular uh, might be a task that's, uh, that needs to be done, probably send an email or, or do some update on the record. Yeah. Okay. All right.
what do you understand by the opportunity product and opportunity line item what's the difference between these two and i don't have an answer for that okay so actually that's a very like basic difference here so see opportunity products are just like a product see that are the individual items that you sell to your customers okay yeah. through your opportunity and opportunity line items are nothing they are just when you attach any product to your opportunity it gets opportunity okay okay products are something that is a simple product or any item that you sell to your customers and when mm-hmm. it get to the opportunity it becomes opportunity line item line item okay Right. Opportunity products. Uh, so basically, these are all standard uh, features, right? Uh, which Salesforce uh, provides us. Yeah. So these are products that uh, you sell to your customer through your opportunities, or like you use quotes. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. Yeah. Okay. So you you have worked in the agile as well, right? Yes. So which tool did you use to manage your project? So. uh for agile uh, we we were using uh uh rally uh, rally was one of the tool uh, uh-huh. we used uh to right. store user stories and uh, then uh, uh the burn maps and all uh, so there are dashboards uh, wherein we can see how the team is performing and uh so yeah so we we have this daily stand up calls and uh, we have sprint planning sessions and uh, um we also have uh, the demos uh, the sprint uh, once i think uh, there is another thing so you have written triggers mm, yes okay so what are the best practices to write a trigger uh best practices would be um to have a single trigger uh, per object uh m- maybe make use of uh, bulkification to handle multiple records uh, once they are triggered on the uh triggered and then uh, avoid uh, uh, doing dmls uh, within the for loops uh make making use of uh, handler classes uh so keep the trigger uh, uh number of codes uh, limited and uh, uh use handler classes to do all the processing work and make mm-hmm. use of the context variables uh is before uh, is after and keep the logic as uh, modular as possible so that uh, whenever more changes comes in it's easier to maintain okay um yeah i think how many how many do you have in trigger how many uh, actions uh, context variables events events okay uh, so basically insert update and delete and uh, uh, we can also use is uh, is insert um is update is delete uh, is before uh mainly the before and after Until. right yes yes okay so can we have more than one trigger on one object 
Mm, yes, I think we can have more than one trigger per object, but yeah, it is not advisable to have that. Okay, so when when you write some trigger, uh, do you use the existing trigger or you create new trigger? Uh, we try to use the existing trigger uh, because it is uh, created in that way that uh, any future developments uh, could be easily handled. Uh, we, we try to make any changes on the handler classes because uh, uh, so we already have this is, is uh, insert and is update parameters set in the uh, triggers and it mm -hmm. calls the respective handlers so we go and make the necessary changes on the handler classes rather than making any changes on the triggers directly okay what's the difference between a change set and end migration tool uh, so it is almost like a uh, ant migration tool uh, uh, uses uh, codes uh, basically a uh, uh, command line interface uh, to do the deployment and uh, to extract the uh, so basically what we did is uh, we made use of both the uh, scenarios uh, wherein uh, uh, a user so as a developer we used to create chain sets and then uh, using uh, uh, so yeah I think I'm getting confused with the ant migration and SFDX so mm -hmm. yeah ant migration uh, helps us to deploy the packages uh, which is already extracted uh, uh, so, uh, what are the files that we use in the end migration like you uh, configure some files yeah uh, package.xml is required mm -hmm. uh, for the uh, for extracting the metadata from the salesforce org uh, then uh, we zip it and then we can uh, deploy it to so uh, i think ant migration have uh, not uh, actually been a part of the entire process of deployment uh, whereas uh, sfdx uh, we have a few commands wherein we can uh, uh, validate and deploy uh, the packages mm -hmm. across the orgs uh, create uh, the org credential uh, for a specific sandbox and then push it across mm -hmm. to those sandboxes Apart from like package XML, like you also use the build file, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think that's with the ant uh, deployment, right? Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm I'm not I've not done that explicitly for uh, any of the projects specifically. Yeah. Okay. Well, what's actually with recursive trigger? So recursive trigger is maybe uh, when an object gets updated. Uh, a field gets updated and it goes into the trigger uh, logic again and it tries to update the same field again so it goes into a recursive loop right uh, so i think salesforce uh, itself have has a has a system which handles that uh, probably for five iteration is it goes uh, but uh, we can also handle it uh, Mm -hmm. uh yeah i think we can create a create a, a variable which checks for uh, if it's it's been trying to update the same field over again and uh, we can restrict by doing that uh maybe mm -hmm. not add it on the loop so what we do we create one like 
a static boolean variable and we set the value as true there mm-hmm. and we run our trigger we check the trigger and make it false so that it should not be like we will check over var- boolean variable value yes. okay yeah so we will just make it false so that it should not trigger again yeah uh, we can we uh, actually do that only yeah all right so uh, suppose i am having one private method in my test class okay mm-hmm. and when i am writing the test class i want to cover that private method yeah how can i do uh i think there's a annotation that we can use uh is test visible uh so that will allow it to be visible on the test classes is test visible or test visible yeah i think uh, it's something of in that lines yeah it's test visible yeah. i did it test visible yeah okay so what are the governance limits in salesforce governance limits uh, would be uh dml queries Okay, maybe fifty. Uh, fifty thousand is in the. Fifty thousand. Yeah, fifty thousand uh, number of records. And the by circle, the total number of records. It's fifty. Yeah, so there are different limits uh, for synchronous and asynchronous. Yeah, for so, DML, it's one fifty, like total number of DML statement that you can issue. One fifty. Okay. Yeah. all right so we use custom settings also in salesforce right yes so what's the need to use custom settings so uh, custom settings uh, we make use uh, to to uh, so basically we don't need to hard code a uh, few logics on the apex classes so to keep it uh, so we cannot we should not uh, hard code the uh, ids and some other details uh, in the apex logic to make it uh, uh, dynamic uh, we make use of uh, custom settings so we can use those uh, records in the uh, apex uh, classes while execution mm-hmm. and uh, we we can also make use of custom metadata uh, in some scenarios uh, because it's easier for us to uh, uh, deploy through uh, custom settings are uh, are uh, basically it's a, a manual step in the deployment and we cannot uh, easily uh, add it on the deployment uh, steps so maybe we need to do a data load to have the custom settings values added but whereas uh, metadata also serves a similar purpose we can mm-hmm. use it in the similar lines uh, and it can also be added as a package uh, into the package and uh, get it deployed so that's uh, the other way which we can use okay so what is auth oh auth uh, is the uh, is the technology by which it uh, Uh, authenticates uh, the user if uh, uh, so maybe if you want to uh, log into a salesforce org using oauth uh, we can set it up using uh, the gmail google 
uh, credentials so that makes use of the OAuth technology to uh, authenticate that the person is uh, valid and so so they will allow so it's a um, verification process uh, or you can say authorization authorization yes i was not getting the term okay uh, to identify the user is valid and uh, uh, allow the uh, login to proceed. Okay. So, how many types of reports do we have in Salesforce? Hmm. Uh, I don't recollect. I think it's. Uh, it's been a while, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually not prepared for this. Okay, that's a very basic one. So we do have four types of report. We do have tabular, summary, matrix, and joint reports. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So like, uh, like I was talking about the reports also. So we do have something called bucket fields in reports. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, what do you understand by bucket field? Uh, my reporting is very weak, so I think <laughs> you you determined that in the first question. Uh, but uh, I think bucket fields we can uh, maybe collect a few fields. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I I don't want to waste your time just uh, okay. figuring out what the answer should be. Uh, you you create a bucket field in the report itself. It's just like you want to group your report data or you can just filter or arranging your report data in report okay, so, so, so using so, bucket that you are organized and you can filter and group your report data okay so it's it's kind of a real-time uh, field that we create uh, within right, the report right. within the report itself okay okay thank you all right so let's test something about your security knowledge in Salesforce. Okay. So what's the security model in Salesforce? Security model. Uh, so basically, uh, we have uh, organization wide uh, defaults that we can set mm -hmm. uh, for to uh, restrict so basically, there are two uh, restrictions that can add on the record level, uh, record visibility, and other is the object uh, accessibility. Mm -hmm. uh, so object accessibility is uh, mostly managed uh, through uh, profiles and uh, permission sets. Uh, so that uh, determines if a user has an access to a particular object or not, and what all fields they can uh, they have access to the other comes the record level access uh, that is which records uh, they are able to see uh, so this uh, is uh, determined by uh, uh, by uh, profiles uh, and uh, uh, sharing settings um, so yeah i think Okay. But role hierarchy is also there, uh, wherein the record level access can be determined, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, sharing rules, uh, manual sharing. 
right. we can open up access through that yeah okay so we, we do have the object level record level and field level access yes. securities right yes yeah okay okay so suppose let's pick it pick it up one scenario so i'm having manager and he's he's above in the hierarchy okay yep all right so he can access the records of the user who is below in his hierarchy right yep all right so suppose manager is not having access on one object mm -hmm. so will he be able to view the records no hierarchy so he doesn't have an access to the object so uh, but, but he is higher in hierarchy yes of, so, that, of that user yeah. okay so role hierarchy is uh, based on uh, opening up access to the records but uh, whereas uh, uh, if a particular user doesn't have access to that object then they'll not be able to uh, view that uh, uh, record even if they have they are on the higher uh, role hierarchy okay yeah if he if he isn't if the manager not, not having access to the object yeah so he'll not be able to access the records yes right so that's the correct thing because to access your records first of all you need the access on the object object correct right if you don't have the access on the object you don't have the permission so then how will you see the records okay yes. it's yeah. like object object is just like that table and their records so if you are not having the access on the table how will you be able to view the record right? yes yes so that we can uh, provide by using profiles and permissions actually right 